Welcome to On the Mark with Mark Fages, a college basketball podcast. This week, we get ready for Selection Sunday with talk around the NCAA of teams that have attained their automatic bids. Pretty Boy Champ and I talk about guard play and the importance of having a good big man, and we talk about power conference teams to look out for in Guru Vision. It's all coming up right now on the mark. Good afternoon, and welcome to On the Mark with Mark Fages, a college basketball podcast. I'm Mark. This is my podcast. I'm back again today. We're going into Selection Sunday this week and going to be looking at all sorts of stuff going on with tournaments around the country. Uh, We're going to be talking about the power conference tournaments that are coming up in Guru Vision as the Guru returns after a couple weeks. And uh, I'm going to start off the program today by talking about uh, some of the smaller conferences and what's been going on uh, as far as teams getting in there. First, I want to uh, introduce uh, my producer, Pretty Boy Champ, is back in. He's been doing uh, miracles for me the last couple weeks. How you doing, Todd? Man, I am excellent today. Happy to be part of On the Mark with Mark Fages. You know, I really enjoy producing. It's awesome, man. You're, you've been doing a really great job. I mean, all this stuff you see above me here, all these uh, these special March Madness and the graphics. He's uh, he's a modern-day cowboy, and he knows what he's doing on that production, baby. And I'm going to bring him back in in just a minute. But first, we're going to start off by going to a segment called Mid-Major Minutes. And I'm going to start off today by talking about the West Coast Conference. You know, we talk about mid-majors, and uh, this is Gonzaga's conference, but uh, they are the best team in the country, but technically a mid-major. They just got done beating BYU last night by 10 points. BYU will make the dance. They have six losses after last night, and three of their six losses have come to Gonzaga. So that says a lot. Um, They are... Their only bad loss was to Pepperdine, and right now they stand at 20-6. and six. The Cougars' leading score is Alex Barcelo, who has 16 points, 4.5 rebounds, and 4.5 assists. They also have Matt Harem, the transfer from Purdue, 7'3". He's done wonders for uh, that program with... 11 points and five rebounds in his senior year as a transfer for the Cougars. BYU has wins over St. John's and the number 18th ranked San Diego State Aztecs. So that's a good win against the Aztecs. Uh, St. John's, they're not going to dance, but at the time, it's a Big East conference. And, you know, as I said to you before in past shows, that when you're looking at a team's non-conference schedule to be looking for power conference teams, regardless of how good those teams are or not, because that's going to give you a a bar that's set as far as how competitive they're going to be 
against better teams that play against better competition. Excuse me, uh, Mark, if I may. I just want to ask you just a real simple, quick question. Is Gonzaga going to be the number one overall seed? Because I've seen something a little differently than that. Could you talk to me about that real quick? Because they are a mid-major, but they've been number one wire the to entire wire. Time, exactly. Right? Like the Cincinnati Reds in 1990, baby. Gonzaga, the, the big thing, and I've, I've said this before on the program and going right into Gonzaga, the thing you need to know about Gonzaga is whether or not you've seen them play this year or not is that they have, and I don't know when I looked this up, it was about midseason, they have four of the top 20 players in all of Division I college basketball. That means that at least three of those guys are probably going into the league. Um, young Jalen Suggs is only like a, a freshman or a sophomore, and he's averaging 14 points, six rebounds, five assists, and two steals. He is a great passer. He's a dynamic passer who can hit somebody on the drop of a dime. Uh, he is, and also Jalen Suggs, uh, the underclassman, is the highest-ranked recruit ever for Mark Few's Gonzaga Bulldogs. What number is he? I don't have the number here in front of me. He is the guard, though. He's and, and you know how much we love guards over here. We know. We're, we're going to talk more about that here in a little bit. Um, I'm going to talk about the other Gonzaga guys because we haven't talked about Gonzaga much all year. They've just been sitting up, up there up front, up top, and uh, it's almost like a lot of us have been sleeping on it like because they're going to be very good. They've got a couple uh, upperclassmen in Drew Time who uh, – I think that's our Tim A. He's got his time with two M's. So uh, he has 19 points, seven rebounds, two assists. These guys have got good stats, man. That kid Jalen Suggs with 14, five, uh, six rebounds for Suggs. I'm, I know I'm backtracking to Suggs. That's a good rebounding guard right there. That's a good guard to have to rebound. Uh, besides Drew Time, the star of the team is Corey Kispert. He averages 19 points as well, five rebounds, two assists. He loves to shoot the three. That's the main thing Kispert's going to do is he loves shooting threes. And then finally, the big man is Joel Aie, who's averaging 12 points, seven rebounds, and three assists. For a big man, three assists a game, that's a good number as well for a, for a big to be throwing. The Zags. Now, this is very important, and this is why that the Zags very well could be the national champion, what I'm going to tell you right now, and that's talking about the non-conference victories. These are the teams they beat. Kansas, Auburn, West Virginia. If you know about West Virginia, they have been really hot the last couple weeks. West Virginia's good. They beat Iowa. They beat Virginia. Like, all five of those, except Auburn's kind of borderline, those are all not just big wins, but huge wins. I mean, they're smacking top teams from major conferences. You're right, the big, the biggest of the big boys. Yeah. The biggest of the big boys. Now, uh, moving on, I'm going to go to the conference that's been really had my attention over these two schools, and that's uh, the Valley with uh, Loyola and Drake. And if you guys have watched the program, you know that I've got I've got a thing for Drake. Uh, it's going to be interesting how they uh they proceed. 
the Loyola and Drake played for the Valley Championship, and uh, Loyola won that. Now, um, Loyola's 24-4, and and their losses in non-conference came to Wisconsin, mm. Big Ten team that's been ranked, and Richmond, who's fallen off, have mm. got a lot of injuries. But when they lost to Richmond early in the season, Richmond was was very good. They had just beaten Kentucky. They, uh, I mean, I know, I know. Come Kentucky's on, man! Gonna, Why you got to go there? I know, <laughs> I know you love Kentucky, but uh, yeah. So neither one of those are terrible losses. They they are uh, the thing that you notice, and this is where we're going to get into this discussion with Todd here in a second. Is Loyola is uh, their their main guy is Cameron Crutwig. He is a senior center, and he was part of the Final Four team recently. He uh, he leads the Ramblers with seventeen points seven rebounds, and three assists. They call him a point forward because he's very good at distributing the ball for a big man. Now, that being said, he's a, he's the only double-figure scorer for the Ramblers, and seven of the Ramblers right now are averaging 18 minutes or more. So you've got some guys that are getting good minutes there. Crutwig leads the team in points, rebounds, assists, and blocks. And uh, this is a perfect example, if I can bring uh, the, the pretty boy champ back in here. Um, we've had discussions over the course of the last couple weeks, and uh, kind of the thing that you'd been more centric on is uh, guard play. Uh, he's, he's big on guard play, and the same day that we were talking about this with guard play, I kind of countered with my concerns about teams, small conference teams, with their big men, because usually these small conference teams like Drake, who have Darnell Brody that I've talked about many times, have got one good big man. But the concern is if that big man gets into trouble, and this is what you need to do when you're looking at your brackets, is to see who the backup is and what kind of stats and what kind of what he do, what that guy does with his minutes when the starter is out. Now that being said. PBC over here is talking about the importance of guard play. And I I just want to emphasize not just guard, uh, the point guard play. Uh, A guy who can put you in situations of read and recognition, like come down and recognize it's a trapping zone or it's a 3-2 or they're in man-to-man or when you take it out, it's a diamond press. Like that – Ability to read and react and put your team in the right position is going to be everything because you're going to be you're you're going to see so many different defenses from teams. And that's the type of point guard that Drake normally has in Roman Penn, who is uh, Roman Penn is was supposed to be a, a first team all conference guard for the Bulldogs. Penn is out for the season. The other guard that they had uh, injured recently was Tramel Murphy, who came back and he scored 20 points the other night against Loyola in the loss uh, during the championship game. Tramel Murphy is back. You have Roman Penn out, and you've had Sean Quan Hemphill, who is another guard, uh, swingman type player, who's been out since January. So that's two starters down. You had a third one out when Murphy was gone briefly. He's back. 
Um, and uh, the thing that you notice if you look at that score from the championship game is that uh, the Bulldogs, Drake, only played seven guys. And uh, I told I told PBC before this, three of the starting five played all 40 minutes. And that includes a guy who's normally a backup. So um, when we're talking about guard play, we've I've, I've brought this guy up to him. Joe Yesifu, baby. I, I like the young guy. I, and before Did you have we, a chance to look at it? Yeah, and before we get started, let me just say, I have a really, really soft spot for Drake. My wife is from Des Moines, Iowa. She lived maybe three streets over. She stayed on 21st. Drake was right three streets over. So I, I really have a soft spot for Drake because I met my wife in Des Moines, Iowa. So You know what's going to be fun about this? <laughs> is So... Let me, let, let me get – you've got Jonah Jackson, not mm-hmm. much time. He's going to be the last guy off the bench, which is like the seventh guy. And they're, they're only playing have, seven. They're going to have Issa Samaka. Samaka is going to be the guy that you need to be paying attention to uh, as far as backing up Darnell Brody. Um, what's going to be fun about this is – they made it to the championship game, and with these injuries, the experts were saying that they needed to at least make a good run in the Valley Championship to advance. They, they have only lost four games. They will dance. What's going to be fun about watching them dance is they don't have a lot of guys playing. So we're gonna we're gonna see how they get through the four to you know the they get through the. Uh, well, as a, as, as a coach, you already know you're playing seven guys. So now we're playing zone most of the game because I can't exert enough defense in man-to-man or press guys. We're going to have to see Drake play a different style and if they can adapt to playing that different style because with seven guys, you really, really have to conserve your timeouts. You can't really allow a team to get on a run because you can't really afford to blow those timeouts. So, like, uh, a zone switching up the defense, you're not going to be able to really pressure the ball like you want to or seen, trap like you want to. So I, I, it's going to be tough not being able to pressure the ball and right. play very, very a lot of half-court games. Uh, yeah, it's going to be half-court. That's yeah. kind of where I was going with following what you're saying because, um, you know, with a, with a depleted lineup – I don't. I've seen Drake play a couple times, and I'm not sure in those times how much they press. But they're not going to be able to. They're not going to be able to press. But but they're just like any other team that we watch nowadays that get up and down and like to shoot the easy transition three. And when you have to slow it down, that's really going to kill them in that transition game. Um, I worry about them because they don't have a really, really solid big where they can dominate on from the middle. So You're still talking about Drake? Yes. Okay. So like yeah, he's he's a he's not a big he's not a, the thing I wrote about him was he's isn't a light up scorer, yeah, that's but he I'm, is vital for rebounds. You have to have Brody in there for rebounds, and if he gets in foul trouble, then you've got a. a, a Small, experienced guy in Samaka coming in in the back and so. what's it? What's his size like? What's his Samaka size like? Samaka is taller. He's he's lankier. I think I think he might be taller than Brody. I think Brody's about six foot nine, maybe. Okay, but uh, Samaka's kind of skinny. He's still he's, a thin he's still tweener. 
Yeah, he still needs he still needs to put some meat on those bones. If, if he runs into somebody that's physical, he'll struggle. But if he if he if he can play against another athletic guy, he might be able to just out jump him and out run him. You know, so it's all a, about matchups. We can't we can't forget this now because I want I want to talk about uh, Yesifu before we get out of here because this is this is uh, going to your point talking about a point guard centric offense. It's going to be fun. You got to watch Drake play their game when you get a chance because it's going to be a lot of fun seeing freshman point guard Joe Yesifu get a play in the dance. And the reason I'm saying that is I got to see him play two nights in a row against Evansville both nights. And those nights, he scored 32, followed by 36 points a game in his, in his first opportunities as a starter with uh, Roman Penn going out. I think it's probably a pretty good time right now to maybe take a commercial break. Uh, we're going to come, come back, and I'm going to be talking about uh, more of the small school teams that have made it into the dance so far. That'll be in segment two, and that's coming up next here on On the Mark with Mark Fages on the Score On Air Network. In sports, you want to have a player that can get the job done right every time. A real all-star, somebody that's dependable and you can turn to when the game is tough. That player in the audio-video industry is the theater. From setting up your home's Wi-Fi network and offices, conference rooms, to setting up home theater inside or outside, to setting up the systems to make your home run smarter and safer as well. The theater people can do it all with the quality of professionalism you can expect every single time. That isn't just a great all-around player, that is an all-star. That is why we are the leaders in audiovisual installation in Central Ohio. So call us at 614-604-6327 or check out our website at ttpcolumbus.com to figure out which products will fit you. And don't forget, amplify your personality with the theater. design ideas for t-shirts but you're not sure where to go go to mojo sports gear that's right mojo sports gear and mojo sports gear you can get custom made shirts whatever design you need mojo sports gear can provide it don't forget to grab a custom made cap on your way out and rock the best headgear in the game give them a call at 614-864-6656 that's 614-864-6656 Welcome back to On the Mark with Mark Fages. I'm Mark. This is my college basketball podcast. Second segment's here. We're um, working our way through the business, getting all ramped up and excited for Selection Sunday coming up this weekend. Uh, Going to continue breaking down some of the teams that have made it in already, the smaller conference teams. Um, well, the, the first two they're both going to make it in, but they haven't played their championship game yet. I'm going to talk about the American Conference. Wichita, uh, they are on top, even though Houston is, I think, a top-10 team right now. Wichita beat Houston head-to-head -head not too long ago, and now they're finishing off the American Conference tournament. If anybody else uh, gets in besides Wichita or um, Houston – it could be a three-bid conference. It really could because I'm looking at it, and Wichita's only got four losses. Uh, they have L's to 
Oklahoma State and Missouri, who are both uh, good teams, and um, they uh, they beat Mississippi, Old Miss, and Old Miss not a not a real strong team, but a power conference team in any regard. So you have to uh, have that as a credit to Wichita's record. They are fifteen and four. Their main player is Tyson Etney, I think is how you say it. He averages seventeen points. Three boards, three assists a game. Their big man is Morris Udez, who averages 10 points and four rebounds. Seen some highlights on him. Uh, Actually had a chance to watch Wichita. Pretty good team. Uh, You know, uh, they'll have a chance to win a game, that's for sure. I'm going to move on and uh, actually bring Todd in here because I mentioned Oklahoma State and we'll – I'm going to take a brief pause from the small conference teams. You know, we uh, we found out, Todd, uh, that unfortunate news about Oklahoma State. We were talking about them a whole lot uh, last week. Uh, Todd and I were both, I, was, I, I can speak with him. We're both very excited about Oklahoma State and how, you know, we were talking about Cade Cunningham and the other freshman, uh, Moncrief. Yep. And, uh, you know, all that talk that we did last last week it was all for naught. It was it's unfortunate, but it was all for naught because at the end of the day, after we got done doing the program, got home, and found out that uh, they are have probation for three years and are uh, out of the tournament. And uh, that being said, they've been a, they were they've been very hot. They've been a very hot team, and I wouldn't say it's as bad as I think of it like with Dayton last year with the tournament getting canceled. Like, I feel like it was a real shame that Dayton didn't get to play, at least play those games. Yeah, you know, they Dayton had a really strong team. But when you look at that Kate Cunningham guy, it's like he's a tournament winner. You put him in, he'll drop 30, 40, and win a, two or three games well, for me, he let me scares tell you, you. Let me tell you something, though, because we've, we've talked about Cunningham pretty extensively, and I know you love him and I like him too, but when I was talking about Gonzaga and the four players that were in the top 20, yeah. actually um, at the time that I looked, which was about two months ago, Cunningham was actually the 22nd yeah. ranked. So he was just outside of the top 20, but he's a top 25 player. He was the uh, – the number one recruit out of high school going to that program with the Cowboys. But it just uh, showed how much upside he had because if you look a month ago, six weeks ago, he's not in the top 20. But by now, you would – I mean, where'd you put him at? Three, four right now? Like, literally, seriously, this run he's had in the last three weeks is just like – You you know with – you know, okay, so they're out of the tournament. Yeah. He's one season he doesn't get a dance. And – if they're if they're still under probation, he's not coming back Mm-mm. next year. He's going he's going into the draft, uh, and and a thing about Cunningham, you remember I, I questioned you uh, last week about the eye test, and what I established from rewatching the show is you established that the eye test is actually about an individual always and not, and not about the team totally. And I got to thinking about that, what you, what you had to say, and uh, watched, uh, watched Cunningham and Oklahoma State play. And you, you can just tell, like, the, the way he moves, the, the um, – He the jumps way, off the page. The way his, he moves away from the ball. His skill set, he plays easy. 
you can tell when a guy is really working and when it's really very comfortable to him. In basketball, as hard of a game it is, it looks really easy. And when it when it looks that way to a guy, it just jumps off the page like he's really smooth. He's really slick. He's it. it you know what I just realized we're doing too. We're talking about a team that's not going to be in the dance. <laughs> Maybe we should move forward. Okay. By Oklahoma State. By Oklahoma. Hey, it's th- time for Drexel. Thank you, Mark Fages, for giving us time, a little bit of love over it's here. Ti- it's time for Drexel. <laughs> and uh, Drexel's losses came to Pitt, which is an ACC school, and LaSalle, which the only reason I'm going to bring up they're losing to LaSalle and beating St. Joe's is um, – a little uh, folklore lesson for y'all folks out there that might not know. Drexel would be considered the sixth team in what is referred to as the Big Five. And if you don't know what the Big Five is, the Big Five is the schools in Philadelphia. Villanova, Penn, LaSalle, Temple, St. Joe's. That's the Big Five. And is, and Drexel isn't far away from Philadelphia, so they call that um, the Big they call that the Big Five, but I bring up the loss to LaSalle and the victory against St. Joe's, and St. Joe's was not good. They were really bad this year. I bring it up because those are rivalry games for those guys. They, uh, you know, they they live to to play against other Philadelphia schools every year and have a chance to to get bragging rights. Um, their big man, he's a the point guard. By the way, they're twelve and seven. Is Cameron. Cameron Winner, he averages 17 points, four rebounds, and five assists. Uh, a well-rounded junior guard. They also have a guy named James Butler, 13 points, nine rebounds, and two assists. He's a senior power forward. This team is uh, basically run by a, their starters are a junior, two seniors, and uh, two sophomores. Uh, T.J. Bickerstaff is one of the, the sophomores, as well as a Hungarian swingman by the name of Matej Okras, who rounds out the Dragons' top five. Um, moving on, we're going to talk about a couple of the 16 seeds. Uh, Appalachian State, who is 17-11, out of the Sun Belt Conference, came out of nowhere in the last couple days. This is a team that had four conference teams with better overall winning percentages than them that went on to win the win their tournament and at 17 and 11 and a four game winning streak the Appalachian State Mountaineers are about to dance. Their losses came to Tennessee and Auburn, not too bad, not too shabby losing to a couple SEC teams and their Big player is Adrian Delph. He has the most minutes for the Mountaineers, and he scores 13 points, five rebounds. He's a junior guard. Justin Forrest is another senior guard, 13 points, three rebounds, three assists. And Michael Almanachi is uh, their third player, 13 points, four rebounds, three assists. The, The next 16 seed uh, besides Appalachian State. That's what they're saying about Appalachian State. It makes sense because they came out of nowhere. They don't have a good record. Here's a team with a worse record. The Bef- Mount- Before you move on, Appalachian State, are, 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 are they considered to be a, uh, like a play-in game? So would they, would they be playing yes, Tuesday? Yes, they actually, yeah. They, they, uh, they might play like North Carolina a yeah. 
they 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 might play against this next team that I'm talking about right now in the 12 and 10. Actually, you were talking about Gonzaga, and we were thinking about whether they're going to be the outright number one seed. And I heard a rumor about that, but go ahead, and I wanted to ask you about that. These two teams, Appalachian State and Mount St. Mary, could be the play-in game. That could be the play-in game because those are terrible records. Mount St. Mary's 12-10, and 10, Appalachian State 17-11. That could be the play-in game for the number one seed who's going to be – it's going to be Gonzaga. They, they've won their tournament. They're number one. They're the number one seed. It's not what I heard. Okay, we'll get to it. Four, <laughs> four games winning streak. For Mount St. Mary's got a four-game winning streak. Their losses were to Maryland, VCU, and Navy. I don't know about Navy, but Maryland and VCU are decent programs this year. Mount St. Mary's main player is Damian Chong K. 15 points, four rebounds, and six assists. I've got about three more teams I'm going to talk about here, uh, trying to cover as many of the teams that are already in as I can. Winthrop, under uh, Pat Kelsey in his ninth season in Rock Hill, South Carolina, has only lost one game this year. They're 23-1, and but no big Ws. When you look at their uh, when you look at their record, it's mostly conference games. I haven't seen too many non-conference, power conference teams that they played. So uh, don't be fooled by that 23-1 and record. And also uh, be aware of uh, who's the backup big man. It's another one of those cases of who's the backup. The uh, main player for the Winthrop Eagles is Chandler Vaudrin, a senior guard, 12.7 rebounds, 7 assists. That's a good rebounding guard there again, uh, Todd. Uh, seven rebounds for uh, Vaudrin. He leads, and he leads the team in points, rebounds, steals, and assists. So it's another one of those guys that makes me think of uh, Crutwig for Loyola. You know, um, one of these guys that does it all, they've got to stay in the game because, um, you know, otherwise somebody else has got to answer, and that's going to be tough for uh, a team that's only got one or two stars. Liberty, undefeated at home this year, 23-5. and five. Didn't lose a game at home. They uh, Their best player is Darius McGee. Too bad they ain't playing the tournament at home. <laughs> that, you're, not, you're not wrong. Uh, Darius McGee led the team in points and rebounds, 16 points, four rebounds a game. Cleveland State wrapped up the Horizon League last night. They played Oakland. Uh, and Cleveland State's 19 and seven. Their losses are t- t- to Toledo, Ohio, and Ohio State. I don't think any of those are bad losses for Cleveland State. Uh, Ohio State was ranked at the time. Toledo is favored to win the Mid American Conference, and Ohio. Uh, I'm not sure about them. I thought that they did pretty well, but I'm. Those were the losses for Cleveland State. Toledo, Ohio, and Ohio State. Torre Payton is the Cleveland State uh, main player. 15 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists. I guess I'll mention Siena, even though I'm not sure if they're in yet. I've got them written down because I thought that they were on their way to the dance. They're 12-4. and four. All four of their losses were close conference losses. So... Yeah, close conference losses in the 
I don't know what the MAAC stands for. Do you know what that is, Todd? The Mid Mid Atlantic, something like that. I I don't know about those four losses. I mean, close games, I understand, but man, they are conference games. I, I'm just I'm between now, folks, and next week when we have our brackets, we need to be looking at Appalachian State, uh, Mount St. Mary's, Winthrop, Liberty, Cleveland State. Sienna, Grand Canyon, and trying to figure out who's going to get the upset, Todd. Who's going to get the upset? It's not going to be Appalachian State or Mount St. Mary's against Gonzaga. No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. But see, in here, okay, since, we, since we're going to talk about it, let's talk about it. Uh, how is Illinois ranked ahead of Michigan? They beat them, didn't they? I mean, they beat them. Listen, when you're they beat, you have, they beat when them you right have before they came to Ohio. When State. you have six losses, and one team has three losses, I what are you talking about? And one and, team, one team only has three losses in a conference. One team has five, four losses. Okay, I mean, you, you, you're you're forgetting the game. They played Illinois. Played and beat Michigan. They didn't just beat Michigan. They beat Michigan at home. Okay, and they beat them before the Sun Moo came back. Because I don't think DeSunmu played in that game. He came back for the Ohio State game, which was the game after the Michigan game. So, so let me get this straight. Uh, you're an undefeated team. You're stomping everybody out, correct? We're talking about Michigan? Yes, yes. You're stomping everyone out, correct? And you go to lose to Illinois, and now it's just like, oh, you, listen, dude, you're undefeated. You're stomping everyone right? out. But you're, 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 you're slipping on this, Todd. After Illinois, they lost to Michigan State the other night. That's a rivalry game, though. You, they, game. That doesn't count. And, like, and, and it's the end of the game. It's the end of the. You've already won the conference. It's the end of the season. This it, is your rivalry. They're playing their hearts out. It is the out. time of the year that Izzo gets hot. Izzo <laughs> gets. I mean, regardless, Izzo <laughs> gets hot this time. Exactly. Of the year. Exactly. So, yeah, but uh, we'll see, man. I don't know about Michigan. I, I, I've. In the Big Ten, I think that I like I think I like Illinois with the uh, Sun move coming back. I like Baylor as an overall number one seed. But we're talking about the Big Ten. I know, so man. Who, so who are you? Who do you like? I like Illinois because that guard play is hard. Like, Fra- uh, let's be Trent real, Frazier. Let's be real. They, like I don't like Michigan's guard play. They 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 don't penetrate enough for me. They don't attack, and I don't feel like they get other guys involved enough. I think their bigs are really their catalyst. They pass out the post really, really well. I, I cannot deny Dickinson. their posts, their their Dickinson. bigs pass out the post extremely well Franz, and that helps Franz their Wagner. Franz that helps Wagner. their ball movement tremendously. But they yeah. don't penetrate enough against the really good teams because you gotta have that penetration and put that pressure on that back line. So he's, ta- he's talking about guard play now. He's talking about that guard <laughs> play. So when Michigan plays what he's saying, make sure that you are watching Isaiah Livers. It's uh, is, is Livers doing enough? Is Livers doing what Todd says? Or is Livers going to start initiating more attacking of the paint and of the basket? So, uh, I mean, they're, they're literally, when I watch Michigan play, I've seen them play four times, and their guards are perimeter dribblers. And that doesn't help you in tournament time. You have to attack the paint. It, you have to get down on someone's bigs. Even if he's a shot blocker, you have to get, go to his chest. 
that that is how you establish yourself and the really good ones they'll be able to do that like I, I didn't see any college basketball tournament last year so like this year I'm just chomping at the bit I can't wait to see because there's always a guy we like are all, we are all chomping at the bit it's like, always a guy always. like Van Fleet I know people don't remember him from yeah. Wichita but yeah. he's that guy I know everybody remember what what his name uh McCleaves Mateen Cleaves but Gene Van Fleet was the guy that was the catalyst. To push them to the final. Man, yeah. like no one realized that, but his guard play, his exceptional point guard play was able to get guys to where they needed to be like. So we've made, I think we've both made our pick. We've made our pick for the uh, Big Ten. I, I'm going to stick with it. I, we'll see if he sticks with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with Illinois. Illinois. Yeah, I'm I've, I've seen Illinois play. That guard play, they got their big back. Um, I don't feel they, I don't feel that. Uh, the Illini got enough credit all year. Mm-mm. I, I, I got to see one game after I, like, and it, it was recent, and I was like, wow. I was like, yeah, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. So um, we got a little bit uh, broken down, most of the teams that have gotten automatic bids, and uh, we got to talk a little bit about the Big Ten going to maybe talk about the Big Ten a little bit more, but we're all we're definitely going to be talking about all the power conferences and the power conference tournaments as March Madness heats up, folks. And uh, we will be back here on On the Mark with Mark Fages with the next segment. We've spent a while, Guru Vision, right here on the Score On Air Network. In sports, you want to have a player that can get the job done right every time. A real all-star, somebody that's dependable and you can turn to when the game is tough. That player in the audio-video industry is the theater. From setting up your home's Wi-Fi network and offices, conference rooms, to setting up home theater inside or outside, to setting up the systems to make your home run smarter and safer as well, the theater people can do it all with the quality of professionalism you can expect every single time. That isn't just a great all-around player, that is an all-star. That is why we are the leaders in audiovisual installation in Central Ohio. So call us at 614-604-6327 or check out our website at ttpcolumbus.com to figure out which products will fit you. And don't forget, amplify your personality with the theater. Do you have design ideas for t-shirts but you're not sure where to go? Go to Mojo Sports Gear. That's right, Mojo Sports Gear. At Mojo Sports Gear, you can get custom-made shirts. Whatever design you need, Mojo Sports Gear can provide it. Don't forget to grab a custom-made cap on your way out and rock the best headgear in the game. Give them a call at 614-864-6656. At 614-864-6656. Welcome back to On the Mark with Mark Fages, a college basketball podcast. I'm Mark. I hope you've been uh, enjoying this week's show. Been talking about teams that have gotten in. Uh, been talking about the Big Ten. And uh, now, after a couple weeks away from the show, it's time to bring in the mind of the master. That's right. It's Will Turpin in Guru Vision. Bringing him in right now from Danville, Kentucky. How are you doing today, Mr. Guru? 
Uh, it's good to be back on the show. I mean, this is the time of year that we've been waiting for. We've had to wait an extra year for it to get here, so I'm just jacked. Double the excitement. Yeah, man, me and Todd were talking during the break. We are excited about this. And, uh, Guru, we're going to talk about these uh, power conferences now and uh, what's going on between now and Selection Sunday. Going to start off in the Big East where uh, the best team in the Big East is hurting. Um, you know, Colin Gillespie is out for the year, and Justin Moore is out for the Big East tournament. Um, who knows if they're going to get him back? Caleb Daniels is going to be uh, the guy that the, they're going to need to have some good guard play from Caleb Daniels. I don't know how much of a playmaker Caleb Daniels is, but uh, he is a catch-and-shoot type of guy. He's not the biggest distributor. Um, what do you think about Nova's situation? They're in, they're in pretty bad shape. Yeah, it is. It's it's definitely a rough spot. You know, if you look at that Big East bracket there, you know, they've got they're gonna play the winner of Georgetown and Marquette, but then right after that it could get really interesting. Uh because uh, you know, if they win that game, then then they're staring at St. John, Seton Hall. I mean, they're probably gonna have a hard time getting through that. I think UConn is a team that's playing really good. And I with Villanova's current situation, I really just don't see them win this tournament. No, I don't see him winning this tournament, and I think they'll be lucky if they get out of the first weekend of the big dance. UConn is 14-6. and six. They're on a four-game winning streak, and they are led by R.J. Cole with 13 points, four assists. They're also led by one of my personal favorite players in the country in Isaiah Whaley. Whaley has been uh, – He's taken on a, a, a bigger workload, especially when James Boyk Knight was out earlier this year. Uh, Whaley had been a guy off the bench. He's a starter now. And uh, for uh, a six seven six eight power forward, he is a prolific shot blocker. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of Whaley. And uh, as much as Xavier's my favorite team, I think I'm going to follow the guru's lead here and say that uh, – and say that – UConn's probably going to win that thing. Yeah, and right up above them, uh, I think it's going to be interesting, too. You, you got Xavier and Butler, and then after that, they're staring at uh, a matchup with Creighton. You know, really, Xavier, I guess they're going to get in as long as they beat Butler. Yeah, they, they need to play with a, a chip on their shoulder. The Musketeers have lost five of their last seven games. That's not a good that's not a good look or a good way to go in. It's sure it's sure certainly not gonna impress anybody in the selection committee uh, if they don't beat Butler. Butler's not that good. I know they had an upset recently, but uh yeah, Xavier needs to to win a game or two. They're they're they, they, they had that big win against Creighton, and then they had the falling off and lost against Georgetown and Marquette. So anything can happen, Will. Yeah, yeah. And I think they do have a chance to revitalize their season. Like I said, you get that win against Butler, and then you go in there and smack Creighton again. You know, And then if they was to do that, I think this is the part of the bracket that I really think everyone should focus on is uh, you know if they was to beat Creighton, then, you know, they could – them or UConn has a clear path all the way, you know, all the way out probably to win the whole thing because I don't see anybody in the top half that I – mean, who's going to win the top half? St. John, Seton Hall, you know. This is a kind of a – It looks like, is, uh, you know. 
So, uh, yeah, the, I, I'm I'm concerned about Creighton because of the uh, the whole controversy with McDermott and having those questionable comments with his players. Like if he's gonna if he's gonna be able to keep that house together um, going into the dance. So that is the Big East. I think Seton Hall's probably out of that. I'd I'd, <laughs> I'd mention Seton Hall, but they're 13 and 12, so they're done. Um, so do they get? Do we know even Will? Is it three or four or what? What? What are we? What are we leaning towards as far as the Big East getting a couple teams in? Uh, of course, Villanova and Creighton are pretty much locks. UConn, you know, they look like a lock. That's three. Xavier looks as long as they beat Butler, that's a lock. That's four. Uh, you know, St. John's, they would probably have to. Let's see where I've got them. I don't, I don't know. They'd have to win a lot. They're not. They're not anywhere close to being the first seven or eight out. I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah, because it looks like St. John's, who's the four seed, is uh, probably on the outside looking in, aren't they? So right now, uh, along with yourself, Guru, we're both kind of uh, insinuating that we think that uh, that UConn might be the team that comes out and. Uh, surprises people this weekend in the uh, Big East Conference Championship. Absolutely, and probably next weekend as well. <laughs> um, so we've, we've already kind of covered the Big Ten. Just since we've already done it, I just want to kind of maybe get your favorite on uh, who you like coming out of the Big Ten this weekend. Yeah, I was super disappointed in how uh, – Ohio State finished the year with those four straight losses. That was uh, that was definitely disappointing. Uh, but uh, you know they they still I still think they're the fourth best team uh, in that conference. I still think they're better than Purdue. And I honestly, you, I loved Illinois all year. I really have. I just think it's a chance for Iowa to play themselves up because right now I'm looking at Illinois is probably if they win this tournament they're a clear one seed, but. If Iowa could win it, you know, Iowa could maybe make a mark to get that fourth one seed. I don't know. It's, I mean, it just depends on how the cookie crumbles, I guess. But you like Iowa. Yeah, Illinois is the team that I would like to hear. If I may ask a question, Guru, um, if Iowa runs the table, will that still make room for Illinois to get the one seed too? Will we, have, will we see two big teams with a one seed? Big 10 teams. No, I, I don't think so. I think it would be a situation where Iowa could move up or Alabama, one of those two could possibly move up. And then West Virginia probably goes from a three to a two. And and then Illinois probably drops could drop down to a two or three, depending on which round they lose in. So it, a lot up in the air in the Big East because you could easily be a one seed or a three seed, and that's Illinois and Iowa both. So, you've, so neither uh, one of those teams can afford an early upset. You mentioned West Virginia and Baylor. You know, West Virginia is very hot. I believe Baylor – am I correct when I say that Baylor beat West Virginia at home recently? Yeah, I mean, they had a slugfest uh, both times they played. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I honestly think West Virginia is better than the uh, uh, better than the record 18-8. and eight. I think they're the one of the teams that in the Big 12 that – this is the weekend that they need to shine. I think it'll be 
it needs to be Baylor and West Virginia once again in the finals. That's what really needs to happen. And, uh, you know, there's still implications there. If, you know, uh, I don't think Baylor can get the one overall seed. I, I don't see that happening. But uh, you also have Michigan, you know, in the Big Ten, too, that's quality uh, shot at a one seed as well. So I think the one and two lines could be interesting. I just don't think Houston or uh, really Houston's the only uh, two seed that could could move up. I don't see them going to the one line either. So I think Michigan's, as long as they don't get beat early, they probably got a one seed as well. Right on. So uh, maybe move on to uh, something that we know you're passionate about, the SEC. You just brought up Alabama. Uh, is Alabama still the highest-ranked team uh, ahead of Arkansas there? Yeah. Yeah, they are. Uh, they got a they got a little bit of a difficult path. I mean, it, uh, they might have to play uh, UK in the second round, so that's kind of interesting. Uh I think that's not the path that they would have wanted. Kentucky starting to play a little bit better right now, but uh, yeah, they should they should get all the way to the finals based on uh, the way they played consistently all year. I mean, them and Arkansas is the two teams that I really think you know because Tennessee really kind of. I was going to say Tennessee is uh, on the way in. Tennessee's Tennessee's really just dropped off the map. It seems seems like is are they ranked? Yeah, they are. I think they're still. Well, they may not be ranked now. They may have just fallen out. I, I haven't actually. I didn't even actually look at that. But uh, they're they're definitely not playing well. But if you look at them and Louisiana State, there, neither one of those teams are really playing that well. But they all have, you know, Tennessee and LSU has the kind of roster that could, you know, get to a an elite eight. But they just haven't played that way all year. But it's still there. They at least have the roster. I mean, LSU's probably got three NBA players on their team, and uh, you know, three first round picks probably on their team. So I was, uh, but they just haven't played consistently. I was listening to Rick Barnes talk the other night in an interview, and of course, he's going to be very biased because he's a he's an SEC coach. But he thinks that they're going to get seven seven teams in. It seems like a lot of teams, or has has everybody really stepped up their game in the last month and uh, made that something that can be validated. Yeah, I think he's crazy. Uh, let's see how many have I got here right now. I'm looking to. <laughs> yeah, he's nuts. <laughs> Three, four, five. You know, you know, the thing of it is LSU, Missouri, and Florida, none of those teams played all that great. But right. just because they're in a power five and they right. had winning, you know, they – they're all going to get in. You have Florida, Missouri, and LSU are all going to get in. I have no confidence in any of them uh, doing anything. But this is this but is an SEC guy talking too. <laughs> yeah, SEC. it's just that's just what I'm seeing. I mean, it's yeah. nobody consistent. You know, I want to see a team like UConn that's actually playing really good. You know, uh, you know, uh, Illinois is playing really good. Kansas is playing better. West Virginia is playing really good. Arkansas is playing really good. But you got so many teams that aren't playing really good like louisville down there i mean they're sort of limping into the tournament um and texas is limping into the tournament ohio state's limping into the tournament florida missouri and lsu all three are limping into the tournament uh wisconsin's limping into the tournament oklahoma i mean they better be glad there's not another week left in the season or they might not even made the tournament <laughs> so right on so that's so that's the sec and you know i see your background and i guess it is you must have known that the 
the pretty boy champ was coming in. If you knew that he's a Kentucky fan, I see that uh, welcome to Rupp Arena back there. And uh, I'll transition from the SEC to uh, something that the guru and pretty boy champ could really come together on and become allies on. And that's going to the ACC. And pretty boy champ is a huge Florida State Seminoles football fan. I think you guys maybe can get together and like get the Florida State bandwagon going here for a little March Madness run. We were talking about Leonard Hamilton with his big contract uh, last week. So, uh, what do you guys think? You guys, what do you guys think about this Florida State? Uh, come on, on, yeah, come on, on, Todd. What do you guys think of this Florida State basketball team? Before we even get started, I'm just going to say they paid the man and then they lost two games. Okay, that is true. like you know, that is true. so that is true. Wait till the end of the season. He they they were really hot. They started off good and they lost. They had a really bad loss, North Carolina, because they were up 15, 17 points and North Carolina came back and won that game. That was a bad. That was comeback. a terrible I loss. I turned that game off because I thought it was over. I thought I thought that was done, and, but you, but you know what about I see what you're saying about wait till the end of the season, but but I don't know when that contract goes into effect yeah. because maybe if he does good in the in the SEC tournament and does good in the tournament, then you owe him more the, money. Well, yeah, those bonuses that we talked about, he would get. I understand. How do you feel about uh, Florida State and the rest of the ACC, Mister Guru? I think it's time for Florida State to validate this season. I mean, they're going to get an opportunity right out of the gate. Uh, they're going to get to play Duke or Louisville, a blue blood school, and uh, they need to win that game because they yeah. a stepchild, sort of, so to speak, of the Great. ACC. And you know, they, need, they need to step up here and get it done. And you go down there, they may have a chance to beat the Notre because I think they're going to beat the Notre Dame and Virginia you're dead right. You know, I mean, I think everybody when they talk about Florida State, they think football. And uh, and Leonard Hamilton, I think, is it 19 years? Will that he's been at Florida State? He's been there a long time. And they've they've, they've made a run. Um, the last five years, they they've been a really tough ACC team, but they have not been able to. Like, you know how it was Duke in North Carolina and Virginia was able to turn that corner and get over that hump and really compete? I, I just don't see where Florida State has really turned that knob. And, and really Todd, it, it really hasn't been the last five years. It's only been like the last two or three years because if you look at, the, look at uh, Leonard Hamilton's record, he's had three sweet 16s, one of which was way back when he was with Miami, okay. and an Elite Eight. And one of those Elite Eights and one of those uh, Sweet 16s were 2018 and 2019. That's why he got, got the, the extension. Mm -hmm. That's why he got the extension. He's showing the uptick now, yep. being able to compete. He's fin they're finally doing it. And just like the guru here is telling us, folks, it's, it's time for Leonard, Leonard Hamilton to prove he's got that contract. Uh, he's, he's worth that money. Any uh, – who else is in the uh, so before Duke. that? I just think that I think that it, it definitely Florida State has to make that run. Wait, Carolina being down, Duke being down, all these teams. He's questioning Louisville. He's me too. Louisville, yeah. Me too. With, with Louisville being down, also like you, those are what he said. Blue blood schools. 
when those programs are down, a team like Florida State, who's not, who has the athlete, athletes and can compete, you should be winning when those schools are down. So I, I expect them to at least hopefully make a run. It would be nice. Will, before we move on, we, we don't have yeah, a lot of time can... left, but I want to I ask you, who do you have winning the ACC tournament this weekend? I'm really big on North Carolina as well. Uh, I think that's what the game I want to see in the semifinal is in the bottom part. I want to see Florida State beat the winner of the Duke-Louisville game and then uh, play uh, hopefully uh, the winner of uh, – well, let's see. Virginia's up in the top of the bracket. That's right. And they get there easy. They've been shaky. Virginia's so, uh, been shaky. What about Virginia Tech? We were talking about Virginia Tech not too long ago. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a barn burner between – I think they'll play Carolina in the quarter and then uh, and then probably play Florida State after that. So, it'll, you, be a good, it'll be good games this weekend. But I understand Florida State can validate, uh, and it's time that they, they need to validate. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I kind of got uh, you alluding through going through the tournament – maybe getting another shot at North Carolina for what they did to them uh, a week ago, trying to get a little uh, payback. So that's the ACC. We've uh, got what's left here, the Pac-12. The Pac-12 with uh, USC. The Trojans are on top of the Pac-12 as we speak. Um, I'm not even sure who other than them, Colorado maybe, would uh, would be in. How many bids can we expect from – this power conference, the Pac-12, who for the last several years seems like they've been down a little bit, Will. Is there anybody beyond Southern Cal and maybe Colorado that uh, we can see dancing here? Like, what's going on this weekend there? It looks like right now I've got uh, Colorado actually on the five line, five seed. And... Let's see. I think uh, UCLA is probably a ten seed, and I'm missing here. Lighting's not the best. I think that's it, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, I think that's it. So we didn't save the best for last. <laughs> with the back to you know, with the back to well, that's for sure. Uh, but, <laughs> Well, it's, it's really, uh, there's just nobody out there that I really see. The good team out West is Gonzaga and they're not in the Pac-12. They should right. be though. Right. <laughs> it's laughable. Gonzaga so, is not playing in the Pac-12 really. That's where they need to be. Folks, next week we are going to uh, have our bracket show. I'm hoping that we get the guru back in. Probably maybe get uh, the PBC to come I'll back in. I'll be here. I'll be here. PBC's been doing that You've been doing a great job, PBC. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, uh, and, and Guru, it's good to see your face again, buddy. Guru, it's good to meet you. I've been dying yeah, for this moment, man. Thank you for coming on. You too, Next man. Time. I enjoyed the show. This is one of my favorite shows all year. So we got what well, we got, selections, Selection Wednesday next week, picking our brackets. Yeah, yeah we, Selection Sunday is Sunday, and then we're going to uh, get a nice fancy bracket up here beside me, and we're going to talk about uh, – who you should be thinking about for upsets and uh, who you should be thinking about in advancing in March Madness. Um, Hope you all have enjoyed my show. This is On the Mark with Mark Fages, a college basketball podcast. 
Going to be here next Wednesday at 2. You can check out recorded uh, recorded episodes on our YouTube page at the Score On Air Network. I'm Mark. That's PBC. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to On the Mark with Mark Fages, a college basketball podcast. We hope you enjoyed our show. Next week is our bracket selection show as we get ready for the big dance on Thursday. Tune in next week on the mark.